Now, are you ready for some fresh manna? Yes. Are you ready for some fresh manna this yes. morning? Yes. Then we welcome to this platform, John and Meliana Harkey. Yes. God bless you guys. Can we give God a shout of praise in the house? Wow. Yes, revival's in the air. You know, I, I uh, actually, I caught revival in 1995. I caught it. I haven't let it go. <laughs> and once you catch it, you don't want to let it go. And ladies and gentlemen, I, I just can't wait. I, there's a tremendous anointing in this room already. Can we thank our worship team and Christy? Didn't they do an amazing job this morning? And I was praying for uh, Pastor Tim because how do you transition out of that, you know, and, and, get, and get that? So he didn't he do an amazing job? Give Pastor Tim a hand. And we thank all the leaders and the ushers and everyone here. We're just so honored to be here. It was, um, we had an amazing night last night with the leaders. How many were there with us last night? That was amazing. The Lord spoke very clearly. In a moment, I'm going to unpack the word that the Lord has laid on my heart for you. Before I do, I want to introduce my beautiful wife, Meliana. Give her a hand as she comes. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Um, and I wonder if you guys all join me. Um, let's all pray together. I felt like to pray for our nation. I shared uh, last night that Mary and Jesus showed up in a wedding, and it was not their wedding. But then Mary found out that the wedding ran out of wine, don't have any wine. And when she found out the crisis, the problem, she got involved. She brought the crisis to God and asked Jesus to do something about the crisis. And I know you and I, we are all enjoying God's presence in this place. We're all enjoying God's protections in our lives, God's provisions in our lives. But we have a nation out there that are dealing with hurt, dealing with anger, uncertainty. But I believe God is looking for you and I to be a Mary in this hour, to cry out for our nation. We are living in a time of uncertainty. Tomorrow we don't know what's going to happen. You and I already know God's protection and God's provision will continue to be on us. But I'm asking you to please, let's all lift up our hand again one more time. Let's cry out. Let's pray for our nation. Holy Spirit, we come before you, oh God. We thank you, Jesus, that you love us so much. We thank you, Lord, that you have saved us. You have set us free. We thank you, Father, that you will continue to guide us. God, but we are here this morning. We lift up our nation to you, oh God. We lift up we lift up our president to you, God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you give him wisdom. You guide him, oh God. You direct his steps, oh God. Help him to make the right decision. Give him a gift of faith 
and a gift of leadership, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you destroy the work of the enemies, oh God. Lord, I lift up the black community, oh God, to you. Lord, I pray, oh God, for healing, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you touch their heart, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, that you help us to understand the pain that they are carrying. Help us, oh God, to understand, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, to help us also that many times we blame each other, oh God. But this is not a time to blame each other. This is a time that we need to cry out, oh God, for your mercy, oh God. We pray, oh God, that you destroy the spirit of racism, oh God. Help us, oh God, to understand that the enemy comes to kill, destroy us, oh God. Lord, I pray, oh God, help us. Even to stop blaming the white community. Help us, oh God, to stop blaming each other, oh God. But to understand, oh God, that you came to set us free. Lord, I pray, oh God, to help us, oh God. We will, may never understand. But I pray, oh God, that you instill your love in our heart this morning. Is still love in our heart for each other, oh God. Make us one, oh God. So the world will desire to have you, to have you when they see the church being one and love each other, oh God. We thank you, Father, that you love us, you hear us this morning. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Let's give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say thank you again to Pastor Lynn. His beautiful wife and the staff in this church, I tell you what, we are so blessed, so grateful to be here this morning. We were supposed to be in Hawaii this week. <laughs> Two weeks ago, we were supposed to be in Hawaii, but we found out that if you, the time you landed, that you have to be quarantined, sit in your hotel for 14 days. You can't go outside, can't go nowhere, can't do nothing, can't go anywhere. So I canceled all our flights but before that we were staying home canceled we have 66 meetings that was canceled and this is one of the church we were in kentucky last weekend and this is one of the church we were so excited to be here join you this weekend amen praise god anyway quickly i uh the lord laid in my heart i shared the very first night especially we are living in a day there's so much fear so much worry uncertainty out all around us and God is looking for men and women that will rise up know who they are amen the world are depending on you and I I share quickly uh, on Friday night uh, John and I flew to Orlando to do a half marathon and I didn't have time to look up on the map where the route is going to be but then a thought came to my mind. There are going to be a lot of fast runner, a lot of strong runner in this race this morning. And because I didn't have time to look up the route, guess what? I already know I am going to depend. I'm going to rely on a fast runner and a strong runner to guide me to the finish line. Yeah. 
Listen, there are so many people so busy, so fearful, don't don't know what to do, but they are depending on the church, on you and I to lead them to a place where they can find peace, where they can find joy. I tell you what, that we have so many friends, even pastors, they are relying on, uh, on pills to think straight because of what they are facing. Congregation blaming them for shut down the church. Now they want it to open. Congregation didn't want to come to church. They want to stay home. But God is looking for men and women that fix their eyes on God so the courage, the faith will come upon them so they can lead a generation into the presence of God. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And I mentioned, yeah, I was relying on them. Those fast runners, they didn't even know there is a slow lady behind them. That she is depending on them. I mean, that's why I want to encourage you, parents. You have children, grandchildren, um, young people. You have your peer. They are depending on you and I. That's why we can play with sin. We can play with sin. The moment we play with sin, we don't have the courage to complete it, the race. Amen. One thing I learned that race, I tell you what, that was one of the best race I have ever done. We have done a, a lot of races. I, in fact, I did a half marathon here, I think a few years ago. What is the place? Yes. We did a half marathon over there. It was amazing. They buses up to 7,000 feet elevation. I tell you what, talk about huffing and buffing. <laughs> <laughs> And I did complete that race. And I did complete that race in um, Orlando in January because I was relying and depending on the fast runner to lead me into the finish line. Amen? But anyway, one of the things I learned when I, I did that race, as we started running, I noticed every two miles, maybe some of you have done races, you know what I'm talking about. Every two miles, it was at Disney World. Disney World had put workers on every two mile. And what they have done for those workers, they handed you a little cup of Caterade or water. And some of them handed, uh, every two mile, handed you a little pack of uh, energy beans. You know, it's legal. <laughs> Probably loaded with caffeine. Okay, I took them, you know. And... Um, and every two miles, I mean, they have medical uh, workers all along on every two miles. And they even have, um, uh, I remember the, the last, uh, toward the end, there are workers over there, they even handed you cream if you wanted it to put on your feet for your muscle. I never did it because I didn't know what it's, if it's going to help. But to, I think, 10 miles, there are workers over there, they were handing you a little uh, a pack of Tylenol. It has one over there. They ask, hey, do you want Tylenol? Do you want Tylenol? And guess what? I took it. <laughs> because after the 11th mile, I felt like my toes coming off. <laughs> so, but anyway, and even then, um, and I remember in the beginning, because there were so many people, I felt boxed in. I wanted to go, to move on, you know, but because there were so many people all around me, I couldn't move on or run. 
and I just kept walking. So finally, because there was too many people around me, I found myself got off from the route just to get off from the people so I can keep running. And the moment I got off and started running on the side, there was a worker over there, ran up to me and said, ma'am, 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 you cannot run there. Get back here. <laughs> so I did. I ran back to, the, to where I supposed to be because Disney World have assigned workers to guide us, I mean, to provide for us whatever we need. Why did Disney World provide workers every two miles to give us caterate, water, energy bean, Tylenol, you know, whatever you need, medical workers all along? Their whole purpose is to help you make it to the finish line. Amen? And I remember when we registered that, that, that uh, the evening before you run, go the race, you have to go and get your uh, pips. Sometimes they gave you a shoestring. And once it's on the shoestring or the pips, it's, um, what is that? Uh, the chip. chip, yes. On the chip, on, I mean, on the shoestring and the pip that you wear, it have a chip on it. That way the workers know when you cross the starting line and when you cross the finish line. That way they keep track on you, know where you at. They know when you got off and when you are on, on the track. And I learned something that morning. Why did Disney World provide the workers to give you all that? Their whole purpose is to help you whatever they can to help you reach the finish line and complete the race. Amen? And I learned something that morning, and the Lord reminded me, Meliana, I have called you to fulfill your destiny, and accomplish everything that I have called you to do. And the Lord spoke to me, as long as you stay where I've called you to be, my provision will be there. My protection, as he supplied the workers to tell me to get back into the right path, my protection, my blessings, my provision will always be where I wanted you to be. But the moment, amen, but the moment you disobey me, the moment you step out from where I called you to be, all my blessing and my provision and my protection will not be there. And I believe God is saying to many and all of us this morning, he called you and I to stay in a place, be obedient to what he have called you and I, and watch with all what's going around in our world right now. God's protection will be on you. God's provision will be on you. Amen. And it's about time to rise up and do what God has called us to do. Obey his word because we can afford not to make it 
to a to the finish line because we have family members that are depending on you and I making it to the finish line. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Give Jesus a big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. I want to give away some uh, resources here. Just remind you guys we have book and CDs back there, but I have, I grabbed this one to give away. Overcoming your past. Who want to get this one? Raise your hand if you're struggling, going through, a, went through a situation. You want that? Oh, sister, you can come and get it. Thank you, Lord. Bless others also with it. Amen. You can duplicate it if you want. Also, I have uh, this one, defeating discouragement. Listen, we can lead if, if we're always living with discouragement. He came to set us free. Amen. Who wants this one? Raise your hand real quickly. Thank you, Father. Brother, back there. Yes, you raise your hand. You can come and get it. Thank you, Jesus. I also have another one. It's called Hope Over Despair. Great, great city. Who want this one? Raise your hand. Sister, on the black jacket, you can come and get it. Also, I have this one. Another one is called uh, Harvest. If you're living in famine, that is not God's desire for you. And I'm not only talking about famine financially. I'm talking about if you're living in fear, anxiety, worry, that means famine. Because he came to fill us with joy. His word says the joy of the Lord is our strength. He came to give us peace in the midst of the storm. Regardless of what you are facing, of what all around us, we should continue to behold our head up high. Thank you, Jesus. Your protection and your provision will always be in my life. Amen. Thank you, Father. Brother on a red shirt, you can come and get it. Praise God. Are you ready for the word? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Give Jesus, yes. Give Jesus another big hand clap. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. Do I have permission to preach this morning? Do I have permission to roll this morning? Do I have permission to dance this morning? Do I have permission to shout this morning? Is there a shout of praise in the house this morning? You know, um, I hadn't spoken to Christy when she was singing. While she was singing, there was a, in between a song, she mentioned a word. She didn't know that that was going to be the title of my message today. The title of my message is The Right Response. All morning, I've been hearing the word. I got up like about 4.45 this morning. All morning, I've been hearing right response, right response, right response. Because whatever your response is, is going to determine your outcome. I, uh, seems like every time I come here, the Lord always reminds me of John the Baptist. I don't know what it is. 
I looked over last time, and I, I spoke a message in that, that. You know, there's a room back there. It's heavily anointed. I don't know what you're doing in there, but whatever I go in there, I get hit by the Holy Ghost every time. And it seems like every time I come here, the Lord begins to download something about John the Baptist. And I'm going to start off with a situation in his life, but then we're going to go to the book of Acts in a moment because I'm going to make a connection. John the Baptist is my hero because he brought revival to Israel. He brought a move of God. He awakened an entire nation to the name of Jesus and the Messiah. Come on. He did not want any fanfare. He wasn't in competition. He wasn't looking to establish his kingdom. He wanted to build God's kingdom. But later on in his life, he found himself in prison. You know, nobody signs up for that. And I'm just going to be very, very transparent with you that in the, at, toward the end of March, when I found out I wasn't going to be traveling for a while, I found myself in prison. And what I'm talking about is not a prison cell, but a prison in our mind. The prison in our soul. The prison in our thinking. And it's interesting that when you're in prison, you forget what God has done for you. You forget that you're in Florida, John, in a brand new house. See, when you're in prison, you can't see the blessing. All you see is the problem. When you're in prison, you don't see tomorrow. You only see the pain of today. And when you're in prison, your theology gets messed up. Because there's something worse. The biggest prison is not just your emotions. It's when you begin to question the validity of who God is. You begin to question the reality of who he is and what he has done. Now, John isn't in prison not because he wanted to go there. He's in prison because he did the right thing. Oh, come on. See, because usually we think that if I'm in prison, you know what? I'm, I am going to be uh, uh, for doing the wrong thing, not doing the right thing. I've been in prison. I did the wrong thing. Come on. But you never thought you would get in prison for doing the right thing. You never thought you'd get in prison for preaching. You never thought you'd, that you'd get in prison and the doors would shut in the church in your life. You never thought that, that the government was going to tell you when, how to do your church. Oh, come on. We've been doing church longer than the government. Come on. Come on. The last time I checked, the government wasn't, wasn't supposed to do church. So how do they know how to do church? 
In fact, uh, Meliana read, read, read this to me because the governor of California uh, uh, put out a list of the, how the church is supposed to respond. You know what? As they're opening. And one of the stipulations was, was this. It was called no responsive reading. She read that to me. So we're driving down the, in the car. We're in Florida. She's reading responsive reading. She, she said, John, what in the world is responsive reading? And then I said, you know those people at Valley Life? Come on, Valley Church, you know, in Caldwell, Idaho, who jump up when you preach and say amen and run around and come to the altar and kneel and weep and cry and shout, wave their flags, jump up and down the platform. You can't do that. <laughs> but I'm sorry, I can't help myself. John found himself in a prison, and this is why. Nobody was bothering him when he was baptizing in the Jordan. Nobody was upset with him when people were going to get saved. But once he changed the message, once he confronted sin, once he told the king, you can't live like that, once he refused to compromise the message, oh, come on. Once he told Herod that the woman that you're living with is not your wife, that's when they got a problem. Come on. And that's when they wanted to kill, kill John. They wanted to shut the prophetic down. Because what the prophetic does is the prophetic not only encourages you, but it confronts the powers of darkness. And I'm thankful that there's still a church in America that will confront the powers of darkness. I'm thankful that you're here this morning. When darkness all around us, we know we're going to confront the powers of darkness. But nobody signs up for this. And when John finds himself in prison, I want you to turn to Matthew 11. Now, we could spend a year at Matthew 11 because Matthew 11 is absolutely amazing. But we're not going to. We're going to just briefly just touch on two verses in just a moment. And then we're going to go to the book of Acts because we're going to talk about response this morning. But in Matthew 11, verse 2, this is what he said. I'm going to read it. It said, when John heard in prison. We're going to say heard in prison. Now, you got to remember something. What you hear in prison, you may not hear correctly. Because then you're going to filter everything you hear based on where you're at in your prison. So what he heard in prison is not necessarily the reality. Because if you're in the prison this morning, you're in the right church. Because you're going to come down here and every chain's going to come off of you. Everything's going to come off of you. And you're going to walk out of here freer than you've ever been in years. When he heard in prison about the works of Christ. We've got a nation in prison. we got people in authority in prison. Making decisions for millions of people in a prison. And when he heard about the works of Christ, he sent two disciples. Verse 3, and this will be the last verse in 11, Matthew 11, then we'll go to Acts 16. And said to him, listen to this, 
Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? See, because he's in prison, here is a man, ladies and gentlemen, that saw the dove land on Jesus and heaven open. Here's someone who saw more of Jesus than anybody in his generation, yet while he's in prison, he questions everything he's ever seen. I want to say something to you. I believe that John the Baptist could have responded differently. And I'm thinking, what about the two disciples? John, what are you telling you? You were the one that told us he was the Messiah. But now you're in prison? Oh, come on. And now you're influencing us too. Because let me just tell you something. If you're in prison, it's, there are people you're going to influence whether you realize it or not. Come on. Because we, we've got too many people agreeing with each other's prison and not enough people agreeing with the freedom that is available to us in Christ. I believe God's raised up this church to get Idaho out of prison. To get the people of Treasure Valley out of prison. But let me tell you something. I want you to turn all the way over to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start reading in verse 25 out of the new King James Version. Because you see this reaction with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist doesn't get out of prison. He ends up being beheaded. However, in Acts 16, verse 25, there is a different response. There is a different response. And I came here this morning because I knew that there was going to be a different response. Because all of us can find ourselves in a prison. I'll tell you where my prison was. Here's what was going through my mind. After two weeks in lockdown, this was going through my mind. How are you going to make it? How are you going to pay payroll? How are you going to provide for your sweet wife? How are you going to pay your mortgage? How are you going to live? How are you going to survive? No matter how many economic miracles I have seen in my life, those prison thoughts are going through my head. And then we end up praying prison prayers. See, prison prayers never get answered because they're not prayers birthed in faith. They're not birthed in promise. It's the promise prayers that get answered, not the prison prayers. Paul inside a similar situation, which is a little different. They're in the prison basically the same thing for preaching the good news. The community doesn't like what they preach, so they throw them in prison. The problem is, is that God had all this set up in the first place. But look at verse 25. As we break this down, it says, but at midnight. Everybody say midnight. midnight. 
When I, when, when, excuse me, when you look at midnight, that means the darkest time of your life. How are you going to respond at midnight? Because how you respond at midnight is going to determine your tomorrow. Because we all have midnights. We're having a midnight in our nation. We're having a midnight hour in our nation right now. But see, I've got some people in Idaho, in Caldwell, Idaho, that are going to respond a little bit differently in their midnight. Because we've all had a midnight. At midnight, when it looked at the worst moment. See, I love the fact that God will start moving at midnight. God has a track record, you know. That at the most darkest hour, he shows up. At midnight. Now notice this. In the darkest moment, what are Paul and Silas doing? They are not questioning the validity of Jesus. They are not having a theological conflict. They're not complaining about their prison. They're not even thinking about how they're going to make it. Oh, come on. They're not worried about paying their bills. They're not worried about, about the things that they are concerned about. What are they doing? They are praying and singing. Everybody say praying and singing. Most people in America, when they're in a crisis, don't pray and sing. They complain. Come on. They're praying and singing at midnight. Oh, Jesus. It gets me excited. I'm going to tell you something. Do I got anybody in this room this morning that say, you know what? I want to pray and sing at midnight. Now, think about this. Who are they singing to? Unto God. They're not singing to their prison. They're not singing about their prison. They're not talking about their pain. They're talking to God. They're not talking about the people that uh, uh, did an injustice to them. They're singing to God. Oh, hear me. Because they're singing to God. God spoke to me. He spoke to me at the beginning of the year. And this is what he told me in January. When I was in my, my, I fasted the month of January, and this is what he said, John, I am going to release the song of Paul and Silas to the church. Now, church, I don't know that song is not recorded, but I do know the results. And I don't really know, have to know the words because, the wor the wor because a lot of people sing, but there's no results. That's, that's why when you come here, we don't want you to just read the words on, on, on the screen. We want you to sing with the anguish of your heart. Because, you know, right now, I'm in a prison, God. But my, I am not going to focus on my chains or worship my chains or worship my pain. I am going to worship you, and something is going to happen in this room. Something's going to happen. They're not asking to get out. They're asking to go up. They're not asking to be delivered. They're asking, they're asking to connect with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. 
praying and singing. There's wonderful songs right now in the church. But I want the song that delivers a nation. I want a song that delivers prisoners. They're not mad at the government for throwing them in jail. They're not upset at the prisoners. Now what's amazing is what happens next. It says, as they were singing hymns to God, listen to this, and the prisoners were listening to them. And the protesters were listening. And the government was listening. And the rioters were listening. And the criminals were listening. Come on. Are you hearing me? Because let me just tell you, when you're a criminal, you don't listen to anybody. I was a criminal. When you're in prison, the reason you're in prison is because you didn't listen. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You don't listen to nobody. You don't listen to nobody because you know it all. So what in the world was going on with this song that caused prisoners to listen? Which tells me that there's a power in a song. There's a power in praise. There's a power in worship that even prisoners have to stop doing what they're doing and have to listen to that song. I believe there's a song coming out of the church. I believe that our, our, our power. See, we don't, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We have a power. Come on. And can you imagine the church walking through the streets of major cities singing? Can you imagine the church beginning to open its voice that we're not just going to sing on a platform. We're going to sing over a community. Oh, come on. We're going to sing over. Oh. All of a sudden, they put down their bricks. They put down their rocks. They put down their pain. And now they're listening to a song. Oh, God. A song. Which means there had been something about the tone. There was something about, they, I could imagine what they were singing. That they're, they're, because you've got to understand, they're prisoners. They're planning on their escape. They're trying to get out. They're upset at everybody. Nobody's right. They're upset. They're, and of course, they're not guilty either. Come on. And now, be quiet. Because there's a church down there. And they're singing. And for one moment, they listen. What are they singing about? They're singing about this God. They're singing about God. And all of a sudden, hope sparks in the inside of them. This God Loves a criminal. Oh, come on. The, the God who loves the guilty. The God who loves those that are in the wrong. Come on. And, and the church is singing over the, oh. And, and they're listening. And they're not yelling or cussing or, 
or angry or uh, embittered or fighting, killing, destroying. They're listening. I appreciate my National Guard and my law enforcement and my military, let me tell you. I do. But even them and all their power can't restrain darkness. Could it be that the church has the greatest power on earth? Come on. The power of a song. The power of your song. That's why when you come here, don't just sit here and twiddle your thumbs. Come on. Don't sit, don't, don't sit down and look at your watch waiting for the song service to get over so you can go back home and watch TV. Because you know what? You understand that we are not just singing for ourselves. There's someone in the cell next to us. We don't know what they've been through. We don't know what they're going through. There may be, they, and they may not be in a literal cell, but they're in a prison. But it could it be because you're engaged with God that all of a sudden for one moment on a Sunday morning, they forget about their problems. They forget about their crisis. They forget about their pain. And all of a sudden they're listening to because you're engaged with God. I feel like preaching right now. Because some, something, sometimes it's got to happen. But there, is there somebody like Paul and Silas? Because John the Baptist never delivered another prisoner. Once he, went, once he went in prison, he stayed there. He never got out. He died there. I don't want to die in my prison. Oh, come on, church. I don't want to lose my head in my prison. I want to be the same guy I am when I'm in a prison as I'm on the mountaintop. They're listening. But see, so is God. God is listening. Because reality, even though I'm singing and you're hearing me, that's why you come here. We, we, we sing and shout. That's why you come. We come up front and we get emotional. Well, I don't know. These people are emotional. I thought we're in a pandemic. No, it's a pandemic. <laughs> they were in a pandemic. The way they got out of their pandemic was they sung. Unto God. Not unto them. And you know what happened? God started listening. Because if you hear me, that's great. But I really want God to hear me. I really want God to hear me. Because if God doesn't hear me, I'm not getting out. I'm not going to get free. I am going to be walking here, and I'm going to leave the same way I came here. But if God hears me, oh. If God hears me. I want God to hear every African American in the United States. I want God to hear the cry because there's two evils that's a stain on our society. There's two biggest evils that is ever done by American by America is slavery and abortion. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Those are the two biggest evils in America. And let me just tell you right now, the church has a song. 
the church has a song to end them both. Come on. The church has it. We have the antidote. We have the cure, ladies and gentlemen. I love what God says next. I love what Luke writes next. And then it said, suddenly. Everybody say, suddenly. <laughs> I like suddenly. Because suddenly, now the prison doesn't control me. So, suddenly, my past pain doesn't control me anymore. My fears don't control me. My chains don't control me. My addictions don't control me. My worries, come on, don't control me. Let's see. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake. You got to see this. People have focused on the earthquake. I want you to see the language here. Now, notice this. So that the foundation of the prison were shaken. Oh. Everybody say foundation of the prison was shaken. Church, God didn't shake the church. He shook, he shook the foundation of the prison. Because the, I'm not supposed to build my life on a, my prison. <laughs> Come on. That's not the right foundation. I don't build my life on my pain. I build my life on the solid rock and his name is Jesus and he cannot be shaken. But you got to understand what God is shaking right now in America and the earth is he's shaking everything that was built on the prison. Come on. And what's happening in our world, God is allowing it because we can't, we can't continue to build America on a prison. Anything that's not, because that's not, it's supposed to, it's, that's not the foundation of this country. It's not the foundation of the church. The, the foundation of the church is his name. That name that is above every single name. That every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. That is the only foundation. prison foundation and the prison foundation of our of the very fabric that's why we I, I can never build my found, foundation on my vengeance because it's the wrong foundation I can never build my foundation on my worry prison foundations were shaken and at that moment guess what happened Immediately, all the doors. Everybody say all the doors. Sometimes I think we want our doors open only. But not the cell next to me open. But notice this. God is not just wanting me to get me free. He wants everybody around me free. Say all the doors. He doesn't want doors to just open for me. He wants the doors to open for every minority. He wants the doors to open for everybody. All the doors. 
which tells me there was a song that opened all the doors. Now listen to this. All the doors were open and everybody's chains was loosed. See, we are not a free society until that happens. Come on. Until everybody is free. Come on. See, that's our responsibility as a church. Everyone's chains come off. Notice the heart of God. You talk about equality? Come on. God was in quality in the book of Acts. Way beyond we ever came up with the word. God is not saying, well, I'll open your doors when you repent. Those guys didn't do anything except there was two guys started singing and praying and God opened the door and took their chains off. Now, the amazing thing about this story, ladies and gentlemen, is not that all the doors opened and all the chains... Wait, the amazing story... The amazing miracle in this story is that they never left. (sighs) Hey, because I know this. When you're a prisoner, you're planning an escape. (laughs) You can't wait to get out. And now this song opens your doors and, 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 and... and takes your chains off, your chains fall off. That means you have free reign to run out of that jail right now. Come on. I'm out of here. But the amazing thing, ladies and gentlemen, is they stayed. What in the world was in that room? Was in that prison? That caused those men to stay there when they were free to walk out of there. They were such a glory. They were such a presence. They were such a power. They were such a reality of God's presence that, you know what? I don't want to leave. Because I'm more free here at this moment than I've ever been in my entire life. Why do I want to leave this atmosphere? Sometimes I come to church and I don't want to leave the atmosphere. Come on. That's why I love corporate worship. Come on. That's why I love when I'm with my brothers and sisters hearing the word and singing the songs. Guess what happens? I don't want to leave that environment. Something is wrong if you want to leave. Come on, something is wrong what you want to leave because I do not want to leave because I have never been as free as I am right now. Come on. I need more of this. They don't leave. It means the power of God to restrain. This got to give you hope because it's the power of God to restrain evil. And all of a sudden, this song that Paul and Silas sung healed every one of those prisoners. We're not leaving. We're staying here. This is where the revival is. This is where the move of God is. See, the move of God was not in my plans to escape. Because when I was escaped, I'm going to go back doing the same thing I, that got me here. 
But now that I'm here, I'm more free in this prison than I've ever been in my life. So why would I want to leave this place? I'm not mad at my daddy anymore. I'm not mad at anybody anymore. For the first time in my life, I'm not angry. For the first time in my life, I can worship. For the first time in my life, I can feel what it means to love and to love my neighbor for the first time in my life. We need a song, church. That song needs to be released. But what happened? Because they don't leave. But see, it's midnight. But there's someone else in prison. It's the warden. The warden. He's in prison. The government's in prison. The leaders are in prison. And guess what happens when the leaders don't know you're there? Because he has a responsibility. He's supposed to keep you in the prison. And now that the door's open, he's making an assumption that all the prisoners have escaped right now and he's going to lose his job. And so he decides, you know what, I'm going to take my life. So the first thing he's thinking, I'm going to take my life because I'm going to be killed anyway. But here's the thing. This is happening in our day right now. But see, there's a song that even cares about those who have harmed me. Because those that are, have, are harming me are in prison just like I was. And here they, 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 I'm singing, the people around me are free, but they want to kill themselves. Listen to this. And the keeper of the prison awakened from sleep, seeing the prison doors open. This is it says, supposing all the prisoners had fled, drew his sword, and was about to kill himself. But see, there's a song that stops suicide. There's a song that ends the destruction. Come on. There's a song that heals people in lockdown. Oh, come on. There's a song inside. Because at that moment, when Paul sees this warden about to take his life, Paul called out with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Everybody say, all here. We never left the place. Come on. We're in the glory right now. We care about your life too. That's why we never left. <laughs> Let me just tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I've seen it time and time again that the power of the song to stop someone from taking their life.
every single week. For the last two and a half months, I get a call. Pray for so-and-so or I'm depressed or something like that. Something to that effect. Some, because there's something more worse than the virus. It's the emotional prison that people are in right here in Idaho too. You don't know how many calls I got. Pray for me. I don't know what to do. See, when I went, my prison only lasts a couple of weeks. Some people have never come out. And eventually they can't handle the pressure. They'll run to, they'll run to some form of escapism. I read a statistic that during COVID-19, internet pornography went, went up 20%. That's what happens when you're in prison. See, we, we, we know better because we have a relationship with God that we, we're able to sit at His feet and we're able to worship and we're able to read and let the Word wash over us. But what happens if somebody doesn't have that? How are they supposed to respond? That's why I got to sing. Because yes, I'm singing to God. But that's why I got to stay here in church. That's why I'm not leaving. Come on. Because guess what? I'm going to heal a nation. You're going to heal a nation. Because, ladies and gentlemen, because they don't want revival out there, we'll have a revival in here. We'll have a revival right here. They reject me out there. That's not going to offend me. I'm going to go somewhere where they really need it. <laughs> I'm going to go to Idaho. <laughs> I'm going to go to Idaho. I can tell you something what freed me. I started singing. I started worshiping. I started lifting my hands. And I stopped praying, oh God, meet my needs. Because the more I started praying to meet my needs, the more I didn't see my needs met in my own understanding and the chains got tighter and tighter but once I directed my attention to God and realized that he who ha he has my full attention at that moment all of a sudden I really didn't really care what was going on because I was lost in myself I was more free in myself I was more free in lockdown Because all of a sudden, my theology, because let me tell you, the bars of my wrong theology was the thing that was holding me back. Some people in this room, sometimes the bars of tradition hold them back. The bars of racism hold them back. 
when God wants to free them oh come on when God wants to free them and here's what happened when I started singing the chains started coming off and all of a sudden I had my dance and I'd get on the floor come on and I was so, uh, I, I, I did my holy rolling. Come on. Because I am a holy roller. Because ladies and gentlemen, like Paul and Silas, there's a song in this church. A song of deliverance. A song of freedom. Come on and give God a shout of praise right now. How many want that song? How many want that song this morning? Let me say something prophetically. There will be a day when this team sing that song and everybody's chains comes off. Everybody's doors open. See what I love about God? God wants everybody to prosper. He wants everybody to experience the blessing of God. He wants everyone. And church, you know what we're going to do right now? How many know that America needs a song? There's a lot of worship songs. There's, there's wonderful songs people write from various streams in the body of Christ. Wonderful hymns. But I've yet to hear a song yet that actually free the whole entire prison. But it's coming. It's coming. Wouldn't it be amazing that out of the Treasure Valley would come a song that would heal California, heal Oregon, heal Washington, heal Canada. Oh, come on. Heal Utah, heal Nevada, heal Arizona. Up and down, up this West Coast, the song that came from here would heal Here's what I'm going to have you do. In a moment, we're going to worship. In a moment, we're going to sing. In a moment, we're going to prophesy over people. In a moment, we're going to pray for healing.